This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for joining us. Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, causing the largest scale public health crisis in a century, our seven Feeding America food banks are getting more food more often to more people than ever before in all of Michigan's 83 counties. Why? There are two reasons. First, there are more people needing food than ever before. Almost two million Michiganders are wondering where their next meals are coming from. I categorize the waves of people who are coming to us during this crisis into four groups. The innocent, who are the children, the vulnerable, who are our senior citizens, the unexpected, for those who've never needed our help before, and the indefinite, those who are left behind as the economy re-engages. Secondly, we have more food to distribute than ever before, and a tremendous amount of that food comes from the United States Department of Agriculture. During the past several months, an unprecedented amount of food has come to our network from the USDA. Today, Jerry and I want to share with you who is standing in our lines, who we've talked about, who we've shared with you about the number of people who are coming. But today, we want to introduce you to the people we serve, many for the first time. So join Jerry Brisson and me, Dr. Phil Knight, to hear those stories and learn who is hungry in Michigan. Welcome, everyone. Glad you're here with us. Jerry Brisson joins me here. Jerry, great to see you, and I'm really excited about this show because, you know, we, you and I, we can get a little wonky sometimes, and we like the data, and we really like to, to understand, and we're data-driven in our work. We know that, and we want to be even more so, but today's show really takes on a bit of a different flavor because it's really about the people that we serve. You know, it's it's probably good to remind our listeners a little bit about who we are, too. I mean, you know, Doctor, you spent nine years in Africa. I mean, was it nine? Nine and a half, yeah. Nine and a half years in Africa working directly with some of the most impoverished people in the world, caring for them and, and you know, spending a good handful of your life you know, really with people who were, who were, you know, trying to develop from, from extreme poverty. And, and in my life, I spent a lot of my early years developing at the Capuchin Soup Kitchen, sitting with people, hearing their stories, and, and learning face-to-face from the people themselves about what they've been through in their life. And it's from those experiences that we draw so much enthusiasm and passion and depth about this work. It's not just numbers, it's about the people. And so what we want to do, and, and we really hope this works, what we want to do is try to introduce some of these people to you, our listeners. We want you to get to know them, at least in some way, 
like Dr. Phil and I have gotten to know these people for so many years of this work. And so, especially as we get to year end here and we know it's the holidays and, and people are motivated to give and make a difference, we want you to know the stories of the people for whom you are making a difference. So, so, uh, so let's get right into it. Um, uh, are yeah. we ready, Doctor? Yeah, let's, let's, let's introduce the people that are in our lines across the state. Um, to our listeners who support us and who are passionate about this work just like we are. So, Jerry, why don't you lead off and, and, and uh, good manners, introduce the first person. So the first person is Rachel, and again, for the sake of uh, you know keeping people fairly anonymous who are getting help, I'm just going to say it's Rachel, and she has been a guest at our Shared Harvest Pantry for just over a year, so just prior to the pandemic. And she says this, I come every Wednesday and they give me milk, eggs, cheese, and produce like potatoes and squash. It's amazing. Two years ago, Rachel was in and out of the hospital with life-threatening complications from Crohn's disease. And she says, I was in the hospital 14 months out of 24 months. I saw 18 different emergency rooms. I had to have three organs removed. And when I came out of my last surgery, my fiancé left me, and I couldn't work. I had to sell my beautiful house and downsize and take care of my physical as well as my mental being. And at that point, I was just down to zero money. So Rachel went from a six-figure salary to no income. And due to many complications, she couldn't hold a steady job. But... She still owned a property in North Michigan, and the value of that property disqualified her from receiving disabilities or food stamps or any other government help. And according to her, she said, life can truly change in an instant. I thought I had a beautiful life, but when you rely on one person, you risk a lot. Hmm. So for her, her health is her biggest focus. And today, she can manage the side effects of her disease much better because she's built support systems, including friends and family and coming to the pantry. And she says, coming here has helped out so much in my life. Fresh, good, healthy food. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And if you don't have a good diet, well, you are what you eat. So she comes to the Shared Harvest Pantry every month, and the Fresh Market Pantry, which is just a pantry that allows people to get just produce, milk, and eggs, she comes to that when she needs it. And with Crohn's disease, by the way, you can't eat processed or pre-cooked food, so that fresh food is really critical to her with her disease. And she says about the pantry staff and volunteers that they not only make her feel good about getting the food she needs, but they make her feel welcome. And she says, I was so embarrassed to come here. I have never been in a low like this. Even as a child, I always had enough to eat. I donated. I supported my elderly parents. I always gave and never needed. This was the first time in my life where I had to worry about putting food in the refrigerator and not having the money to pay for it. But now, even though it's humbling, I'm very appreciative. I'm not embarrassed anymore. I feel privileged. There's a difference. I feel privileged to be here, and I'm lucky and fortunate. 
And what she received this last week was 50 pounds of fresh produce, a dozen eggs, several loaves of bread, and a gallon of milk. And she was able to get all this from her visit to the pantry in a dignified and very life-giving way. Wow. That is why we do what we do. What a story. I mean, to go from six figures to needing emergency food and the policies that help perpetuate that situation where if you had any asset at all that was worth anything, it, it precluded you from being qualified for any type of assistance from the federal government or the state government. Um, you know, wow, Jerry, I, you know, the, 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 the emotional pain to go from, and then the physical medical difficulties that she's endured, um, you know, it just, re I, I know I'm not supposed to do data, I'm not supposed to do data, but my, this is 50% of the people who come to the food bank network are employed. Right. This is, right. Rachel's one of them. So we want to make sure to give you a chance to help right now. FeedMichigan.org. FeedMichigan.org is a website where you can go and help any food bank in Michigan reach people like Rachel, and we're going to ask you to do it. Go to FeedMichigan.org. Every dollar makes a difference for our hungry neighbors. So we're, we're definitely going to tell stories and then ask for help. That's the... That's the, the, the the way we want to do this today, and we hope that you'll consider helping us out right now. Well, we need the help, and we need you to come back and listen to other stories as Jerry and I continue on this edition of Food First Michigan. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. It's story day here on Food First Michigan, and Jerry is telling us stories of the lives of people who are coming to our network and honestly, Jerry, have been coming to our network all through this pandemic, and many of them are coming to us for the first time in their lives in order to need help, like the story you just shared about Rachel. So I can't wait to hear the next story, so I'm going to stop talking so you can. Well, like I say, you know, we've spent our life at this doctor, and it's easy to take for granted that everybody knows the faces of the people who are hungry, but they don't. And so hopefully this helps fill in that really important aspect of why we do what we do. So let me tell you a little about Thomas. He has been coming to our, our, our weekly pantry every Wednesday but he didn't start coming until the pandemic started. It was the pandemic that really affected him. And he was a high-load driver for an automotive manufacturer, which was shut down. And he was out of work for three months before he got any work again um, because of the pandemic. At the same time, his wife had to stop working because school was closed and they have young kids at home and she needed to go home and take care of their kids. So in addition to both of them being out of work, they also had to endure the death of Thomas's mother-in-law who died from COVID. And so 
that was a tremendous disruption to the family and they're being as cautious as possible as a result of actually experiencing a death in their family. Even going to the grocery store can be frightening. And here's what Thomas said. We're not sending our kids into school right now because of all the cases. Until that gets figured out, I'm not going to risk my child who has asthma. If we were going to put our kids into three different schools they go to, all the different variables, all these thousands of families, it sounds like a mess and it sounds scary. And with both his wife and kids at home, Thomas continues to feel an additional strain to provide more than he has before. He says this, when everyone is in school, the kids get breakfast and lunch, so our food bill would go down. But everyone has been at home since March. We can easily go through $400 in a week of food. Granted, we are thrifty and use our resources, but we couldn't make it if it weren't for the pantry. So today, Thomas says his income level disqualifies him and his family from receiving SNAP benefits, so he is working some again. And he makes just enough so he can't get any other benefits, and if it weren't for the pantry, his kids, his wife, and he would all be missing meals. So he is so grateful for when he can come and get his 50 pounds of fresh produce, a dozen eggs, several loaves of bread, and a gallon of milk. And we are so happy to be able to help Thomas as he's struggling through this very painful and difficult part of his life. You know, Thomas's story, Jerry, reminds me of something that Plato, Plato said, which was, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. And, and, and it's true. Yep. You don't, and unless you know the story, you don't know the circumstance that's driving people to come and wait in their cars and and be served and have access to food. Um, I, it's easy, easiest thing to do in the world is to judge. It is one of the most difficult things to do is to listen and understand. You know, one of the things I love to say, Doctor, is the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to fix. And that mm -hmm. is so true when you talk about other people's lives. Well, they should just. Well, that, why don't they just? And you know what? Here's the truth. When you start to learn people's stories, you begin to appreciate that it's not so easy to fix some of these problems. And so that's why we have to be here. We have to be in between the, the people's struggle and their next success. We fill that gap in their life for them. And it's so important what we do. And we do it with help, help from people like you who are listening right now. So feedmichigan.org, go to feedmichigan.org. Even a dollar makes a difference. And before we end this segment, I want to tell one more short story. Can I do that? Please, go ahead. Because we're talking about kids, and, and when we talk about hungry people, we have to realize that a good percentage of hungry people are kids and their, and their parents who are in the house. But this is another story. It's, it's about Tony. And he's been coming to a distribution in Wyandotte every other week since early June. Again, the pandemic driving his need. And when the pandemic hit, his daughter and two grandchildren, ages six and eight, had to move into his house. And he says they've been going through a really rough transition 
After losing her job in March due to the pandemic, my daughter couldn't pay her rent. So I invited them to come live with me in my home. And with everything going on, I felt so scared for them. I think this was the best thing to do, but it's been hard. Tony, who's a senior, lives on a fixed income. And suddenly he had three people that he had to provide for because of how they were impacted by the pandemic. And he says, if it weren't for the pantry, I really don't know what else I could do. Wow. So, folks, if you can help the Food Bank Council and our seven Feeding America food banks that serve all of Michigan's 83 counties, then go right now to feedmichigan.org. Find the food bank that serves in your area. Support that one or support the Food Bank Council, and we'll make sure to divide 100% of your gift among our seven members so that all of our hungry neighbors across the state can have access to the healthy, nutritious food that they need for themselves and for their families, and together we'll take hunger off the table. Jerry and I are back with more stories in just a moment. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's feedmichigan.org is where we're trying to drive all of you listeners to help the food banks across the state come into and walk across the threshold of people, your hungry neighbors, and how we can help them. And one of the things that's driving this, Jerry, these, this storytelling today is that we're facing a bit of a food cliff. We're losing some USDA commodity programs that have been contributing to the food that we've been sharing at these elevated needs during COVID-19. Somewhere between 30 and 50% of the food that the food banks have been distributing are coming from USDA, and we're losing some of those programs. And we don't want our level of service into the community to drop because there's too many people like Rachel and like Thomas that you've already told us about that really need, and I'm going to say deserve our help because of the circumstances of this pandemic. Yeah, we're going to, many of the stories we're going to tell today are people who were employed and are not employed and are coming to us for the first time. And we get a lot of questions about it. Um, You know, how many people are coming for the first time? And while the numbers are astounding and big and interesting in that way, um, they represent suffering of people, right? And so we want to tell the stories. We want people to know this is real. This is happening in your community, and these stories are coming from communities all over the place. So, so you know, we want you to know your neighbors are in need, and so we are asking for help, and we want you to remember feedmichigan.org. But let me, uh, let me, let me introduce you to somebody else. I want to introduce you to Robert. So Robert came to a food distribution with his mother, Elizabeth, and his adult daughter, Megan, And he has two younger children, a 10-month-old and a 4-year-old as well. And he's been coming to the food distribution just for three weeks, just for three weeks. And he said this, I'm not sure I have the words to describe what this means to our family. We haven't needed help before. 
and we're getting really good at making the food stretch. It's been a great thing for us to get the vegetables and the canned goods and the help to make the food we can afford last longer. So Robert and his wife have always been able to provide for their household of six, including his mother and his adult child with Down syndrome. But after losing his job as a property manager because of the pandemic, Robert has had to shift his focus to supporting his family in new ways. And he said, my company downsized because of the pandemic, and so I've been focused on finding new work, but also taking care of our newborn and my daughter with special needs. On top of losing my income and our food budget, I can't risk going to the store. I couldn't live with myself if something happened to my kids. I can't let that happen. So Robert is grateful that his wife is still working full-time, and so they have that income. But he says, the food helps us all get through the weeks. I am so grateful to our pantry. And so he looked back at in line when he was at the mobile distribution with 60 cars behind him, and he just said this, it's really important to not just help our family, but all these other families who are just like ours. Wow. Wow. You know, Jerry, I just can't hardly imagine the level of stress this pandemic has brought to people. I mean, you know, these are people who are working, who are living their life. They're, they're, you know, trying to create this, this American dream, so to speak. They're, they're doing things right. And, and then you introduce this COVID-19 and it's, it's devastating effect on our businesses and our lives. And, and it's just the stress level, but at least, at least, there are people like yourself and six other CEOs and all of your teams across the state that have never missed a day since this pandemic arrived. You've stood in the gap for these families like Roberts. And I know you've got to be proud of your team and all of the food banks across the state that have never missed a day serving the community. You know, when I ask my team why they're willing to risk their health, these stories are why. Because they see the people coming to the distributions and they meet them and they hear their stories and they see the tears and they see the joy when people get the help that they need and they know mm -hmm. they're going to be able to feed their kids, they're going to be able to feed their elderly mother. I mean, the, it's real people in real situations and they didn't intend to get here, but here they are. And so it motivates us all. And we're all humbled and reminded of how, you know, the, the difference between having everything you need and needing help is so small. It's so small. And so, Thin again, line. you know, let me, let me tell you another story. Let me give you another. Okay. Because it, 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 everyone adds a little more flavor to the types of people sure. coming to get help sure. and who they are. And I, I really want our listeners to, to meet these people. I want to talk about Crystal. She got an email. So, you know, one of the things we've had to do is reach out to the community and say, if you need help, here's a way you can get help. And we've been doing text messages and emails and, and all kinds of other things to try to reach people who might need help. So she got an email 
um, an email update on where food distributions were. And here's what she said. She said, you know, I knew there was a food pantry, but I had never been and I could really use the help. This is the first time I've ever had to come and get food. So Crystal is a single mother of two children. Their ages are 24 and 9. And she said, I've been a single mom for a long time. I'm really good at managing myself and my kids. But this whole situation is a lot different. I rely on my full-time job to make it through each month. But after my employer asked the staff to furlough one day each week, I just couldn't make it anymore. So she's turned to food assistance for the first time. And she said this, I know there are other means of help out there, but with my children at home now, I have not had time to work everything out. And childcare is very expensive. I can't afford summer camps or anything like that. So I'm lucky to have some family to help. And the pantry, of course, is one of the things that's helping her get through this little bump in her life. So her place of employment is trying to make ends meet, too. And they asked everyone to furlough one day a week. But when you take away one-fifth of someone's income who's a single mom and doing everything right to, to be employed and, and has never needed help before, these are the bumps in the road that we are there specifically to help. She doesn't need a big, huge program. She doesn't need anything except a neighbor who's willing to hold her hand and walk with her in this part of her life. Jerry, the power of the food that our network distributes is seen immediately in the economic value that it provides to a household. And in this case, in this story you just shared with us, it also illustrates that it brings stability. As you said, to lose one-fifth of your income, oh my gosh, that's who, who can survive that? I don't care who you are, right? I mean, and then, you know, the, just to be able to, to, um, to give her that sense that She's empowered. She's been managing her life very well, and this is a huge problem, but yet she's found a solution. That's empowering for people, and that's the power of the food. Absolutely, and I, and I want to point out, here's another household with kids. You know, so many of the households that come to us are households with kids, and when I talk about the faces of hunger, I can't say enough. The vast majority of the people who need help are people who are living close to the poverty line with kids. They're raising a family. And for the most part, they make it work. But right. sometimes they need some bit to get over the hump. As you like to say, doctor, they've got a little bit more month than money. Right. And it's up to us to come alongside of them and help them where they're at, not where just where we wish they were. That's exactly so you're going to keep right. telling us stories? I am, and I want to remind people, feedmichigan.org. If you haven't done it yet, now's a good time. Jerry and I are back. Come back and be with us here on Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. It's Food First Michigan. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. Jerry, I have, through the pandemic, 
characterize the waves or the groups of people coming to us. You're telling the stories of them. They're the innocent, the children. They're the vulnerable, the senior citizens. They're the unexpected, people who've never needed help before. And they're the indefinite, people who's going to take a little bit of time as the economy re-engages for their own economic recovery to come full circle. You're telling us those stories. Tell us another one. So I want to talk about another senior. Her name is Carmela, and she's been going to the food hub for the past six months, again, driven by the pandemic, but not just the pandemic, because she needed food when her husband passed away. So, so he struggled with diabetes and other health issues for six years and had to leave his job as a contractor to take care of his health. So they started eating into their life savings as a result of his health concerns. And mm. Carmela said they always lived on a tight budget and my husband was a generous man and would always give his money away to those who needed it more. So they moved to the U.S. from Malta in 1970 with her husband and three kids. And her children have now moved to the West Coast, but she stayed in, in, uh, in Southwest Detroit. And as a senior living on a fixed income and with no family in the local area, she started struggling to make ends meet after, again, her husband passed away. So she says, coming to the fresh market pantry at the Mercado and receiving the fresh produce, milk, and eggs each week, I wouldn't know what to do without the pantry. It's truly a blessing. I have been coming since I've been on my own, and today I'm excited to get this extra help to help me make ends meet. So again, things happen in people's lives that, that are outside of their control. She and her husband did well enough that they could donate to help people in need for years. And when her husband passed away, she found herself needing that extra help herself. And so we're there for her. And when you go to feedmichigan.org, you're there for her too. Well, certainly deserving of our help. I mean, you're talking about the vulnerable senior citizens, not just vulnerable because of this virus and who it seeks after, the, the, those of us who are vulnerable, like, like this dear lady, but they're also vulnerable because, you know, it, it, it's the, the, the razor edge of having enough and not having enough is so critical for our seniors. I remember Paula Cunningham, the CEO for AARP, who's been on our show, saying, telling the story where she went into a senior's home, and, and when the senior left the room, she peeked in the cabinets and there was no food and she asked the senior when she came back into the room what do you have enough food and she said oh i don't need any help there's someone who needs it more than me and that's the attitude of our seniors many of them going without because they're so selfless that's exactly right and so as we reach out to people and and say don't wait if you need food help please come Please come. It's simple. The drive-through distributions have been so easy for people to use, and it's been so helpful to the whole community, no matter what their situation is. It's made a huge difference across this entire state. And I remember, I mean, we just talked to one, uh, we had a meeting of our food bankers um, just recently, and one of the CEOs talked about 
you know, 55 truckloads of food going out to communities across the northeastern part of our, our state and really how m many more people they've been able to reach because of the generosity of the people and because of the work of the government during the pandemic. And it's so important to know we're not alone in this, but these stories remind us of why we do it all. Yeah. Tell us another one, Jerry. So I want to talk about Ron. <clears throat> Ron lives in Milan. And so I know that's a little bit scary because it's a small community with only 5,800 people, but I mention or 5, people. But I mention it because when people think about hungry neighbors, they don't think about little towns, right? They think about mm. big cities, but it's happening everywhere. And out in Milan, there were 25 cars waiting for a brand new food distribution to serve that community. 25 cars in line in a community that small. And wow. they were... They, the food distribution was taking place in a concrete production plant right off of US-23. So people were lining up there. And mm -hmm. after picking up his mother, Ron drove the family's minivan about 15 miles in hopes that they could get a little help. And here's what he said. I heard about this food distribution here from the folks in Petersburg. And I went to the food bank out there, which was the first time for us. And it was right when I got laid off. But it wasn't enough to go that once, so I found this food distribution, and I was able to get more help. Previously, Ron worked at Dana Incorporated in Toledo. And when the plant closed due to the stay-home, stay-safe executive order, Ron was one of the first to be let go. And he said this, I have young kids at home, ages 4, 7, and 10. My job is still to make sure they are fed. People have been very generous and helping each other, and, I, and I'm so glad I know where to get help to. So Ron has a small immediate family in the area who, who helped him out, right? He asked his own family for help first, but his mother, who lives on a fixed income, started to have some problems herself. So now he picks up food for his family and his mother, and the last time they got help, they got a frozen chicken, apples, potatoes, and other canned goods. And they were so excited about how that was going to help them take hunger off the table in both their households. Jerry, I, I you know, I, I want to camp on the on the kids, but I got to I got to I got to move from that for just a second and go. Here is a family that is sending a senior who is sending someone um, because she can't go for herself. And this is a story that is being told over and over and over and over. I mean, we have some great programs that are designed to help um, uh, seniors get meals, but it's been very difficult in this side, this pandemic, for those programs to operate effectively. And so what we're finding is that seniors are sending proxies to some of the food distributions in order to get food for their own household. And you just told a, 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 an example of that. Yeah, there's, I mean, and, and even as we're able to tell some of these stories, there are so many more stories. They're touching. These are the people. It's, 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 it's our community. It's people you know. And I promise you, wherever you live, 
there is somebody you know who is struggling because of the pandemic, who's struggling because of unemployment, or who's struggling because of a health concern, or because of a lost loved one. And we had two of these stories were about people who lost a loved one and a breadwinner from their home. This is what's happening and why we're out there doing this work. It's so critical that we continue to pull together. FeedMichigan.org. That's where you can make a difference right now. FeedMichigan.org. Take a minute. Help one of your neighbors. Jerry, thanks for being such a great storyteller today. Thank you. Time for a little food for thought. COVID's catalytic collision with our state has caused us to worry about pandemic protocols. We've debated the effectiveness of lockdowns. It's it's caused us to wrestle between a perceived infringement on our rights balanced against our duty and responsibility to one another. Frankly, COVID is a mess and we're all tired of it. Yet COVID's fierceness felt in the hospital ICU wards, in the separation of families, and in the long lines of our emergency food distribution rages on. And so do we. The food banks that make up the Food Bank Council of Michigan will continue to serve the people who have needed us before the pandemic, and we will serve every family who comes to us for the first time now. And we'll continue to serve those who need us after the pandemic. That's our commitment to Michigan. And until Michigan becomes a food secure state inside the pandemic or under blue skies, we'll continue to keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.